Welcome to Comedians Talking Sports. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. This is the podcast where comedians talk sports. I mean, come on, dude. It's in the title. You know what's up. On each podcast, I'll have a new comedian to talk about the world of sports, and we'll also review a different 30 for 30. That's right. Every week, we'll be reviewing an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary. You know them. You love them. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Comedy Sports Pod. Give us a like on Facebook, and please, please review us on iTunes. It really does go a long way. Today, we'll talk about a hockey player getting busted for revenge porn, talk NBA, NHL, and review 30 for 30 of Miracles and Men. My guest today is comedian Brian Moreno. Hello, hello, Joe. Uh, Brian, dude, I'm, I'm very pumped to have you on this show because this is very hockey-heavy today because there's just some crazy stuff going on in the world of hockey. Uh, we're going to lead off. We're going to get right into this one, and then we're going to get to know you a little bit there. But uh, a player for the Chicago this, – and there's both uh, my hometown team, the Chicago Blackhawks, both are really crazy stories. But uh, this is over the weekend. The Chicago Blackhawks released a statement regarding prospect Garrett Ross after he was charged with one account of non-consensual dissemination of private sexual image, also known as revenge porn. On Saturday afternoon, March 19th, the Chicago Blackhawks and, Ice Ho- and Rockford Ice Hogs uh, learned of legal proceedings against Garrett Ross. Uh, what's crazy about this is that it's like, dude, did you? Are you not? It's, it comes out at the same time Hulk Hogan just wins a shitload of money for uh, a sex tape uh, being released by Gawker. Uh, before that, there was Erin uh, uh, Andrews, who the hotel she won a ton of money on that, and now you have a player. And I just can't help but think to myself. You're that's why I'm glad you're on because you have a hockey background. Is this something hockey players are more likely to do, or is this something that scumbag 21 year olds do nowadays? It's like, hey, I got I got some, a little sex tape going on here. She's got some great nips. I, I got to show the world, and she pissed me off. Is it? What do you think, there, Brian? I think it's testosterone mixed with heartbreak. Yeah. Right. Have like, you ever been? Have you ever been heartbroken enough where you're like, you know what? Screw this. I gotta. I mean, I I've been heartbroken enough where I've done stupid things. I think we all have. But I think you mix that in with some testosterone, you know, and the, the fact that he's 21. Uh, I mean, and who knows? The, how hot was she? I don't know. I did Google it. I did Google I mean, you got it. You, you had to be curious there. Um, although it's a complete invasion of privacy and against everything I stand for as both a person and a comedian. Um, what, what it's funny to me about it. It's not funny. I feel horrible for the girl. But, I mean, what's crazy about it is that this is such a generational thing to me. You know what I mean? This is very... Because we're in the world of dick pics. We're in the world of Snapchats. We're in the world of all this stuff where all the women I know tell me, oh, yeah, guys send me dick pics all the time. And I'm like, no, nah, that's not for real, is it? I thought that was just like something people joke about. No, they literally say all the time they get dick pics. And I'm sure there are women who are sending pictures of, you know, little crotch shots, you know, some tit pics. Why don't you hear tit pics as much? Dick pics is a great rhyme, but so is tit pics. People should be using that one out there as well. Girls send plenty of tit pics. I know they do. So that's just what the generation we're living in now. And like that would never happen. You, know, you would never hear about Bobby Orr, you know, getting mad at some, you know, girlfriend of his and throwing up a beaver shot, because that's what they called him back then. Up on some, I don't know. They had no, what, what would they have done back then? I mean, he a Polaroid I'm sure in the locker he showed room. Showed everyone in the locker room. Yeah, I know, but, but you couldn't get to the masses. You, but they were doing dick pics. Michelangelo was sculpting penises, you know? It was, oh, that poor David. <laughs> yeah, you know. Poor I'm, David. I think just, you would have lied for him. I'm just saying, he was showing off dicks to the masses. And, I mean, <laughs> who knows what penis it was modeled after? 
You don't know if that was the real model's penis. Do you think maybe when Michelangelo sculpted David, David was some douchebag he didn't like? Like some guy that just, you know, would come over and eat all your pasta and he was just no, like, No, I think I, I I think it was one of the original dick pics. He was, you know, trying to show it off, trying to be happy. It was the OG of dick pics. <laughs> so it's like dick pics been going on forever. It's just the ability to show them off to a wider audience is what's new, I think. Well, yeah, I That's just think all. it's like, dude, have some common sense. You're you know, you expect this from some moron who lives in the middle of nowhere who just doesn't have any repercussions because he works at a gas station or some shit you're uh, i think a we're professional hockey up. player a step below the nhl your dream as a kid and you invade a woman's privacy unrightfully so i don't care what you did you, you can't, this is not a good thing for you to do where like, he screwed up is he probably told her he's like oh yeah well you broke up with me this is what i did probably should have just not done that I, I, because that's the only way she would find out because there's no way she's trolling the revenge porn sites. No, for that's her true. Own picture. That's true. Yeah. You know, so or she, maybe a guy recognized her. Maybe one of her guy pals was like, dude, I just jerked off to you. <laughs> I totally like you. That's a good I felt question. bad the whole time because I'm like, this is an invasion of my I would like to know Stacey, how that I invaded went your down. privacy. It's how you get caught. It's always how you get caught. I just wonder how he got caught. Well, Here's the mistake. Well, he shouldn't have done it anyway. And I think, ladies, unless you are, you have to be 100% sure. And the same thing with dudes. You have to be 100% sure in a relationship before you just start snapping off pictures of your junk. Don't you think? Or, or have, you, have you done it where, have you ever done it where you're... I don't, yeah, none of mine have faces, my face in it, though. That's smart. You know? See, you got to take the like, face out of it. Yeah, like, other than that, it's just, you know, it's just a... Pen 15. I'm married. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm married. I don't even send dick pics to my wife. Remember the Pen 15 Club? Oh, yeah, totally. You'd write down someone's arm in, uh, <laughs> yeah. in grade school. Yeah, that was the sure. best. Dude, it's still not old. I saw, that on a, I saw that on a license plate once. Pen 15. And I really wanted to, I was trying to pull alongside him to give him like a thumbs up. Because I'm like, dude, way to That's bring that funny. back. That's my favorite term for penis. Pen 15? <laughs> it's pretty good. What else did I, I used to call it my panini? I used to say that. Sure, sure. What else I'd say? Pin 15. I'm I used to fan. just call it my awesome dick. I'd be like, who wants to see my awesome dick? And <laughs> people are like, oh, that's very that's very uh, straightforward. Well, uh, this is Brian Moreno. Uh, Brian, you and I met. You were running a great show at the now uh, defunct, what, what am I going to say, now closed down House, House of, Blues. of Blues, man. And, uh, yeah, we met about probably like a year ago or so, I want to say, yeah. uh, through Roywood Jr., mm-hmm. great dude who's killing on The Daily Show right now. I got to get him on this podcast sometime. When I go to New York, I'm going to make a note of that. Roy, you're going to do my podcast. You should. He I'm addressing him because he's listening. No, he totally would. He's a great guy. Super nice. Uh, really fun show. You produce shows all over town. Uh, you also are a great photographer. You've taken pictures of my show, Comedians You Should Know. Thank you for that. How'd you, uh, how'd you get started in stand-up? Uh, man, when <laughs> I knew I could do something more with my words. I used to be in PR, and then... One thing led to another. I know used to be in PR, so you know how to spin a dick pic story. Well, I mean, I know how to say things and see things differently. Sure, That's all. Sure. And yeah. I've worked for the Wall Street Journal in PR, and um, they taught me how to be pithy, get to it, less words. Yeah. And then, and then the, jur- the, the journal got purchased uh, by News Corp. This was before I even started there. But two years later, my division got shut down, and I've just been a comedian ever since. That's great, man. Yeah. I've been taking pictures forever. You know, I learned on real film, cutting. Oh, really? You're you're old school, so you could go into a dark room. Well, yeah. I mean, my dad 
he had that kind of stuff. I don't know if he ever did it. I never saw him actually take a photo. I mean, I found some old, like, you know, like old, like, you were talking about dick pics, like film style pics, you know, like. You found doing? some smut? What do you? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, like dad kind of smut, you know, like Harry Bush stuff. Or like, eh, you know, it's, that was never that was never in vogue when I was alive, you know, Harry Bush. So when I saw and it, and your like, your ethnic background is Colombian and Italian, yeah, yeah, or yeah. those two, yes, and definitely some Harry Bush then. We're yeah, pro, yeah, the oh day, yeah. You know? Hey, it was everyone was like that though. It's a different time. And uh, you grew up playing hockey and football, if I recall? Well, yeah, until I couldn't, the sports would overlap too much, and I was better at hockey, and coaches would always talk, and they just wouldn't let me play football. They were just afraid I'd get injured. I got you. And you're an East Coast guy. Let's give... uh, Well, pretty much, like, I mean, I grew up in South Florida, spent most of my time here in L.A., but you don't get any ice time here, so I had to move to Indiana and Michigan for... That's right, for ice time, yeah. And then went to college, Indiana. My college hockey career was very short-lived because I had serious shoulder problems. Like, I was fortunate to even play as long as I did. My shoulder was getting to the point where I'd wake up in the middle of the night and couldn't feel my hand. Like, it'd be out of the socket, like, pinching the nerve. Oh, shit. Yeah, it would be terrible. But a few surgeries later, I, uh, you know, I'll never have full mobility. But hockey, you know, the discipline that athletics teach you. Hockey was cool. It was never my... I always loved football more, but I was just better at hockey. So you, you're forced to play it. Got I, it. I believe hockey's a great live sport. Um, to watch it on TV is not as appealing, especially regular season. No, well, well playoff hockey is the best of all oh, the sports. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, just the intensity, ev- everything. The in- Playoff hockey. And I really like how they changed the overtime this year. You to, like that? To, to the three on three. The three on three is cool to oh, watch. Isn't it? And I got to go. I went to a ice. Kings game this year, and I got to see the overtime, which was great. Yeah, I was hoping for that because I went to a couple weeks ago. I went to um, Kings versus Canucks, and I hate the Canucks, so I was rooting for the Kings. But I also yeah. don't like the Kings because the Kings and the Blackhawks have kind of yeah, developed sure, a rivalry. Sure. So I was, I just wanted them. I wanted overtime because I just wanted yeah. to see that three on three live for the first time. Awesome. Awesome. And then they nobody scored in three on three when I saw it and they went to shootout and I literally left during the shootout because I don't believe in that. Oh, you're a purist. I don't believe I just think that's such an anticlimactic way to win the game. It's horrible because that's not how the game was played. It has no reflection on everything that had happened previous to that. Yeah, some people equate like it that. to no, just the NFL on, going to field goals at the end of a game playing. or something. Yeah, just keep on playing. Like I was there when the Kings won. That's my ticket and a puck. Oh yeah, look at that. I was there when they won the first Stanley Cup. Up, whatever it was, four years, five years ago, four or five. 2011, I believe. No, wait. They won say, in 2012. They won in 2012 and 2014. Yeah, whatever. It'll say on the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, whatever, Joe. I don't need you correcting me. Yeah. I got you. Uh, so what were you, a wing? Left, I, right, I, left and right. Because I'm ambidextrous, I could use both sticks. Ah, nice, man. Yeah. So, I mean, that that was my, because I was, I would talk shit and I was quick. I was good on my feet. You know, that's all. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's like I would get people off their game. That's also how my shoulder got hurt. People would come after, you know, they'd get annoyed with me. Yeah. I'd, I'd always tap, be tapping your stick or something. You ah, know, okay. You're a little bit of a rat. <laughs> kind, you know, I'd be one you of know, those. You know, getting like, people's heads. Well, I'd always, like, that was my thing. I'd always tap people's stick up because you'd never, especially when you're younger, you didn't know certain fundamentals and people never hold their stick tight enough. I'd always tap it up. Get, no, <laughs> look, I my hockey expertise comes from playing Xbox. Sure. And you know I've I've got NHL. I think I stopped buying it after NHL 13 or 14. But that was that was a, that was a big lift that I, stick. I you know, it recently the gameplay on on hockey I think is so awesome. 
the gameplay for video game hockey. It really oh. is great. I definitely lost it though after NHL because I'd get it like every year for Christmas. After NHL 12 to 13, there was a big jump where it made puck handling harder. It made it more realistic, but then it made it very difficult oh, if you're not that great a video so game player. So it was just, hurting. yeah, it totally did, man. Because gotcha. my vagina was getting poke checked like crazy gotcha, and I couldn't gotcha, handle it across gotcha. the blue line. That's fair. So I had to go on rookie mode and then go back to dominating. Yeah, the last time I played one of my friends, they turned off like all the rules. So it's just like open eyes. Oh, turned like, off sides bro, off and everything. Everything, everything. I'm actually pissed off because I had a friend over and he was like, let's make it the 94 Sega controller. Because you go to the 94 controller, that's like an option. Because NHL 94 was like the game. And yeah, I don't remember. that was the game they played in uh, the movie Swingers and stuff like that. And now every time I go into play, I have to like read to go back to default because oh, I don't know the ninety four. I didn't have Sega. They would drop the gloves. I just don't bike. like those controls. Yeah. I don't like. I, I, he totally changed it around for me. Totally screwed that up for me. Um, so you're also a big football guy. Uh, we can touch on some football. There's a couple stories there, but right now I wanted to go into this story. Uh, it's not really a story. It's more of a debate. It's a classic debate if you're an NBA fan. I feel like it's been going on for ever since LeBron entered the league, even before that with Kobe in the league. Uh, Kobe's got about eight or nine games left in his NBA career. The Lakers recently lost by 48 points, the biggest loss in their history. I was at the Comedy Store last night, a place where you and I often hang out, and I was talking with about three or four other comedians, and we got we got into it. We got loud because each guy was representing a different thing. The thing was LeBron, Kobe, Jordan, where the one guy was like, yeah, I think Kobe and Jordan are better overall. I don't even know. I think LeBron might be better than Kobe overall. But Jordan's definitely the best player of all time. And he was saying, well, at least LeBron's a good guy. Because Jordan and Kobe are both pieces of shit off the court. And it made me wonder, who, who's the bigger piece of shit? I actually, and I'm a Chicago guy, so a lot of people were saying I'm being a homer about it. I think Jordan, although he's, there's tons of stories of him being a jerk, was not as big a jerk as Kobe. I think Kobe's the bigger jerk. Jordan may have gotten his dad killed. Kobe probably raped someone. Like, you know, it's kind of one of those things. But there's all this. See, anytime you get into a question of character, I hate to answer because it's like, look, we all have secret lives. We all do crazy stuff that we don't like to talk about. We've all made mistakes. Granted, when you're a superstar in anything, your mistakes are always extrapolated. But it's like those are the only those are the keep, things that keep we been cool on those four syllable words, man. You know, my, my listeners got to look up that word now. What are you doing? Uh, oh, but everything's made bigger because it's like money doesn't change you. It just takes the things that are already there and makes them larger. Like if you're altruistic, you're going to be more so. You know, if you're giving, you're going to be more so. If you're uh, if you're a philander, you're going to cheat more. If you got money, that's just how it is. But it's those are the stuff. Well, I those think, are the things that we know about. What do we not know about? So it's like I hate to answer, you know, because you don't. Are know. you friends with both these guys? You can't give me an honest opinion about. Well, them? because I, I, it's all equal to me. It's just like if somebody would ask me about Joe Kilgallen, I'll be like, yeah, what I know about him's cool, but I bet he does some fucked up shit that I don't want to know about, dude. So I refuse to answer about Joe's podcast, character. Like man. from what I know him, he's a good guy. All I right, all right, all right. Fair enough. Fair and, enough. And Kobe and all them, it's like to debate them, it's cool, but different eras. It's cool that I've got to enjoy all of them because, you know, I got to see Jordan when I was a kid, like super young one time, you know, vaguely remember. But in the same note, it's like I would totally love a time machine where we could just, you know, do the 
combination. Well, I think it's with basketball, it's a game that people do play one-on-one. So that's why it's such a fantasy of having that time machine where it's like, I would love to be able to get, you know, Jordan in his prime versus Kobe in his prime versus uh, LeBron in his prime and all that stuff. But back to the character thing real quickly. Uh, I do agree with you. It's unfair. We don't know these guys and they're all dicks. dicks. Money will make people... It just blows it up what they already are. Yeah, you know, man. if you're a certain way, money will just heighten that to an extent. But also there's a culture around being raised a superstar where these guys were never told no. They were never told these certain things in life. Uh, I think Jordan was a pretty good guy through college and in uh, the NBA, but then probably just got so big so fast. Because everything that people talk about Jordan at North Carolina, they go, oh, he was a pretty quiet kid. He actually didn't learn to talk trash until his roommate Buzz Peterson started talking trash and then all this other stuff. And then he became Jordan, this cocky kid. And then going to Chicago, which was probably the perfect city because it was a huge market, but it's not New York or L.A., where you could still have this personal life. Like, I know Chicago athletes, they're, you're staying off the tabloids in that city because the, the police and the people there are just like, all right, you know, just you win on Sunday if you're a football player or, you know, beat the Knicks. You know, they, they kind of do that because it's such a big sports town where I feel like in L.A. you got TMZ, you got paparazzi, New York, same type of atmosphere. So Jordan probably got more full of himself, started with the gambling, you know, screwing around, which I think just that's a given with professional athletes. It's the most boring thing to talk about. Oh, did you hear so-and-so cheated on someone? I'm hearing it right now. They're talking about Chris Young got busted with some 20-year-old girl today. And it's like, it's just a boring... Really? It's just nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't... I don't know. I mean, what was it? Marilyn Monroe, I guess, was the first. Like, with Joe, Joe DiMaggio. DiMaggio was, like, the first time. I mean, and ever since then, people... Once the newspapers found out that people wanted to hear about that... Well, yeah, Babe Ruth was cheated on his uh, first wife with someone who was uh, Siegfried yeah, Folly. Yeah, I don't know yeah, the hell that was, like a flapper type chick. Joe. You're dating yourself, well, I just, you know, I, I studied the past, my friend. <laughs> uh, what I, I don't get, though, when it comes to... Because I'm thinking about Johnny Manziel right now. Johnny Manziel, since he's been released, is still out every night in L.A. and Vegas. Spending money. He just took a selfie with uh, that famous chef guy over the weekend when he was in Vegas. In Vegas that Mario Batoli. Mario Batali. Batali, whatever. And he's, he's getting plastered every night still. Nothing has slowed down for him. Yeah, that's and one he's of still those, this cocky kid. That's one of those guys I just wonder like, if he's going to have that moment of clarity or he's going to die. You know? Right? Yeah. It's going to be one. I feel like it's going to be one of the two. He's going to pull it together and be a backup, or he's just going to, what? He's going to, I mean, go the way of Ryan Leaf, end up in jail for doing some dumb shit. Like, I don't know if his parents would ever cut him off because he comes from oil money. He comes from incredible money. money, and that's yeah, why he's. But it's like, at a certain point, like, I, I don't know any dynamics of the relationship, but something's got to come to a head. It always does. It always does. So what is he? When you're running hard and fast like that, something always comes to a head. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to slow it down for health reasons too. But just to get back in the league, well, uh, so it'll kill him. Get stabbed at a club. You know, there's shit like. He's that. got a target on his back. I'm sure there's someone in Vegas Getting thinking there's an easy score. Something, yeah. So maybe he'll clean it up. Come back like Josh Hamilton in baseball. Maybe something get like his that. Kidney stolen? Do people still still kidneys? If it's gonna happen in Vegas, that's I heard the place. that's where it used to have. You'd wake up in the. Toilet and it, or the toilet right. the tub, and it'd tub be like uh, go to call the hospital in an ice tub. Yeah, but you don't hear about that as much anymore. No, because it's kind of hard. It's there, I what think do you mean more it's kind of a hard. TV thing. What it's pretty mean? hard to knock I mean, someone out and cut a kidney out of them. 
It's never been it's a, easy. It's not well, like it got harder. That's it's never true. I mean, been I'm not easy. saying these are off the clock surgeons doing it. Yeah, I'm just saying Johnny Manziel. Maybe no one wants his kidney. Maybe that's the thing. Or maybe no one's thought of it yet. And I'm sure he's got, <laughs> dude, he's got, you're, like you said, he comes what from oil I money. He's got a posse. It. What if it happens and I get questioned by the police because we predicted it right here on your podcast? Well, if my podcast has that kind of reach where someone hears it and then throws you out there as a suspect, I'll be very proud because <laughs> I've been trying to come up with new ways to promote the podcast, which again, everyone, yeah, review us on would, iTunes. It goes a long way. We would Thank get you. Uh, definitely an article in the Huffington Post. I would love that, man. That's good press. <laughs> Excellent I need press. that kind of press right now. Would you bail me out? Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. I would help <laughs> I'm you out. I'm holding you to it. You'd at least do a Kickstarter I would, for oh, my bail. I would totally do a GoFundMe <laughs> or a Kickstarter. I can't, what kind of money do you think I have? I drove here in a Mercury Grand Marquis. Whatever, man. Oh, two. I got beeped at by two Mercedes on the way here. Yo, almost that, lost my that shit. That might be your cover story. I don't know. Well, Johnny Manziel, like you said, he's got endless money, so that's why it's not going anywhere. He's really just a spoiled rich kid, and I kind of hope he never gets back on his feet. Is that is that mean to say? I mean, I hope he does. I don't want him to die of a fucking cocaine overdose in a Vegas hotel room. But I definitely don't. I don't care if he ever gets back in the league. Yeah, I thought like, he was kind of overrated in college. You just. Uh, I mean, he's too small to play in the NFL. But yeah. you don't gotta hate on the guy. You know, like he's still talented. If he pulls it together, look. If he gets his shit him. together and decides, hey, maybe I need to stop living like this privileged look, asshole, then sure. Look, all right, all, all, welcome back. I believe in second chance for everybody, of course. But again, in the be same on regard, more than second chance. Yeah, exactly. What is his fiftieth chance? You know, but if you can run fast or jump high, things get forgiven a lot easier. Yeah, and he can't do either of those things. Uh, back to the whole <laughs> Jordan, because we got all we got so loud uh, last night arguing about this. Uh, with the whole like LeBron not having, you know, the supporting cast. My thing with LeBron is that he always leaves when shit gets tough. And even though his teammates seem to like him, and he seems to be a really good guy. That was my big thing, and that's where I couldn't look. Obviously, Kobe's first three titles, he was playing with Shaq, who was the most dominant guy in those three years, one of the most dominant centers of all time. And then he'd won two more with Paul Gasol, which was pretty amazing. He had to do that. LeBron to me is already talking about leaving to go play with another super team. He's talking about, he said, he goes, before I, my career ends, I want to play with Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, and uh, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade, who's old as shit uh, at this point, and I, I don't, I mean, he's still okay, but do you want him as a starter? I don't even think he should be a starter anymore. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, who may have the lowest basketball IQ in basketball history, guy couldn't pass out of a double team to save his life, couldn't guard his own lunch. And uh, Chris Paul's still a really solid player. Uh, oh. All things being equal, like those super teams, it's it. They, I mean, what Boston one time it worked. But even kinda. those guys didn't get together and have brunch like LeBron, uh, Wade, and Bosh. That was what really bothered me about that. They got together over brunch. How fucking Florida is that? <laughs> Jesus, Joe. Like, what do you what, what would it be better if it was just a straight lunch meeting? If if it was just straight hand, just because one of them ordered breakfast, it was a brunch. Like, <laughs> no, I just don't like. You've I never it's... had breakfast for lunch, Joe. Oh, of course, I'm not knocking don't brunch so, as a whole. I would love some brunch so right judgy. now. I would love to get yeah, some. Yeah, if I threw right out now. some eggs and bacon right now, you're telling me you would look away. You turn your nose to it. No, I would not do that. Jesus, of course not. Uh, Actually, I, I hope your podcast listeners don't. Don't I'm not anti-brunch. I think it's overrated. People talk feelings. about it like it's brand new. People go on and on about brunch. I talk about it on I my album. You guys hear on Spotify. I don't understand why meals have to be so labeled. I don't understand why, you have to, why we have to be meal racist. It's, it's about the fact that these guys, whether or not they had uh, scrambled eggs in front of them or a piece of steak, steak and eggs, that's a great combo right there. 
It's that it sets a dangerous precedent moving forward. The fact that now everyone almost anticipates whenever there's a big free agent class, they're like, well, Durant's going to be a free agent. When he's a free agent, he's going to talk to Harden. And Harden, when he's a free agent, he's gonna talk to and they're all going to get together and they're going to go to L.A. Anyway. They're going to go to New York. It's, it's just dumb. I think it's what's bad for the sport. And that's why basketball... Uh, I mean, it's such well, a superstar-driven sport. I don't think LeBron is sport. a leader, so he needs that kind of supporting cast, though. I think LeBron, at least he knows himself. Of all the three people you're talking about, LeBron, Kobe, and Jordan, LeBron is the least. His rating on the leader scale is the lowest. Put it sure. that way. That's all. They all have strengths and weaknesses, and LeBron on the leadership scale is lowest. That's all. Well, I think LeBron's biggest mistake was the fact that he didn't like develop a Pippen type player when he went back to Cleveland and like begged them to trade for Kevin Love they traded Wiggins Wiggins could have been his Pippen Wiggins right now you talk to anybody who even briefly sure. watched the NBA you'd rather have Wiggins than Love well yeah Wiggins is kind of a uh, he's not the lead guy anyway he's a what a 23 point He's, he's, he would have been a perfect his, Robin to LeBron's Batman. Solid defense, ability to shoot, not a strong rebounder. Sure, he would have been better off, I think, because Love, I think, tries to be an all-around player, spends a little too much time on the perimeter. Still can rebound, though, better than Wiggins. I don't know. I know what you're saying. Yeah, he could rebound still. Um, but Love seems a little more of a head case than Wiggins. That's all. Love seems like a little more of a I think case. Love was one of those guys that played in Minnesota where, you know, small market under the radar where he was able to put up 25 points and 12 or 13 rebounds on a bad team because sometimes you need – someone has to get those points and rebounds. Yeah, I You guess. see it in other sports where it's like, oh, he had 85 RBIs. Yeah, someone had to knock in the runs. You see, like in hockey, oh, he had 30 goals. He's not a good player, though, but – Team score yeah, and someone has else, to be yeah, there. Yeah, who else? It's still. Over, I'm not taking anything away, but sure. it, it makes people think that certain athletes are superstars when really they're just borderline all stars. And I think Kevin loves a loser. <laughs> I do. Uh, so just in conclusion, with that whole thing, I think uh, yes, LeBron is definitely the best guy of them all. He he's he is a better. He gives to charity better. He uh, seems like a much nicer person, and um, he's definitely on the Mount Rushmore. I don't know, definitely, but he's definitely. T- I think he's. I think LeBron's in my top five of all time. I like LeBron better than Kobe as a player. Like I'd rather have LeBron than Kobe. Kobe to me is a guy that these last few years has just hurt the Laker organization big time by even playing because he's he's such a ball hog. His teammates hate him. Man, you gonna turn down what twenty sixteen mil, whatever it is? You gonna turn that money down? And no, not do a no, I wouldn't. Tour when you're an egomaniac. I wouldn't. No, I don't blame him. I'm, I wouldn't. But in the same <laughs> regard, I'd be honest enough to admit that he's hurt the team. And I understand that yeah, the Lakers just had to give it to him. But I think the team was hurt the minute they let uh, the buses, you know, after Jerry Buss died. It's like, Jeannie, she's not player personnel. And look, they made some bad decisions. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, I don't know if he's the guy. I don't know. Some news came out today. Uh, some about about yeah you know I was gonna bring them. it up but I didn't get enough into the story it just came out a couple hours before yeah I like didn't this get morning. to read it either I didn't get to but read it either that team is I mean something's going on I mean the coach Byron Scott like he makes decisions look he's not a dumb guy Byron Scott and if he's doing some of these things like he must he knows in the locker room who's who's a head case and who's not D'Angelo Russell obviously seems like one. I mean, Nick Young, I don't know. if, if I mean, that guy, he, he's basically J.R. Smith, I guess. That's a fair comparison. Right? Uh, 
there's no, there's absolutely no front court defense. There like, isn't none. They play Ole defense. I think the Lakers, <laughs> though, because of their history, are going to be able to attract a free agent or two. They got a good draft well, pick coming up. It's just going to be real interesting to see how those but they're making current guys are choices. without Kobe. They, their inability to sign anyone. I don't know. Man. I think when Kobe leaves, there's going to be an open cap and. I definitely think they're, they're going to have a lot of money, and I think if they just draft well, they give them give them three years. You know what team I think would be Two great three if years. they got Kevin Durant is Boston Celtics. I think if they got Kevin Durant, that team would be sure. Um, I think that team would immediately be in the finals. Yeah, I agree with that. Just because they're young too. Well, yeah, they're young, and there's no there's right now there's no number one guy on that team. There's everyone else is a role player. Isaiah Thomas as a point guard is fine. He's serviceable. Jay Crowder, he needs someone to take the pressure off him, but he can board and point, uh, you know, when he's not double teamed and get points when he's not double teamed. I, I really like that team. If, if they Are you a Celtics get, guy? No. I just think, I just see how young they are because I think the Lakers should have gotten Isaiah Thomas. I think the, the Lakers, a couple of those players on that team probably should have been Lakers if they would have made move, the right moves. But the Lakers just—I mean—they made horrible off-season moves the last two years. Horrible. They got nothing, nothing. I think everyone kind of knew around the league that they were just kind of riding out Kobe's time. Yeah, I mean, and I, I'm not looking. I know I was—I was giving Kobe a lot of shit earlier. The guy is—is is a great player and has had a great career. You know, he's one of the best players of all time. Big Golden State. But it was sad to see how they've—how his career has ended up. Yeah, they did. That was impressive how they beat Golden State. Uh, and Golden State's two wins away. Or yeah, they two wins away from tying, three wins away from having it. Oh, that said, I thought it was. They're very close. Oh, it's two. I thought. Or it was no, more. they're. I thought it was seven still. There's yeah. I meant How to say they're two is... losses away. They have eight losses. Okay. They have eight losses right now. Well, so I think losses. there's only like ten games, or maybe seven or seven eight. Seven or eight, eight like... games left. Yeah. I'll be following that soon. Um, if you follow the podcast, I'm gonna have a special baseball preview podcast that's gonna come out on Sunday, and the next week we'll go more into. We'll be right around the time of previewing the NBA and the NHL playoffs and uh, flipping the script back to the NHL. Uh, another Blackhawks story, uh, a guy who's I'm wearing his sweater right now, Duncan Keith, last year's Conn Smythe winner, one of the best defensemen in hockey guys on three Stanley cup teams had a, a vicious play against the Minnesota wild. As he was getting checked, he's falling to his back. Now you're a hockey guy. You watch the highlight as he's falling. He hits the ground, hits the ice and then just whack nails uh, the guy whose name I'm, I'm forgetting right now because it happened. I fell asleep early last night, guys, so don't, don't give me shit here. I forgot the name of the player he's, he smacked in the face. doesn't matter. We'll call him uh, Blade Face because he's got a blade imprint in his face. Uh, nailed him, and it, it looks bad. He's going to be suspended for probably well, four or five games, Well, there's I'm two things that I noticed. Has... Has he ever had? Does he have a history with this for one? No, he, well, you know what though? He did have one play. I want to say in 2012 or 2013, where he elbowed. He came up high against one of the. Satines. Did he get? And did he get suspended? He got suspended for two games. Okay, so he guy. does have a mark on his record. Okay. But who hasn't wanted to elbow one of the fucking Sedins? Yeah. Well, hold on, hold on. There was two <laughs> things I noticed on that play. The first thing is when he fell back, it looked like he kicked his leg up purposely, throwing his blade towards the guy in case he were to fall forward. Which, for one. It, oh, just like, to be clear, when I said blade face, I meant the blade of the stick. Yeah, he meant his, the blade of the stick. His, uh, Duncan Keith gets checked, and as he falls, his back hits the ground. It looks like he throws one of his legs up first to maybe slice the guy with his blade, which I absolutely, it was the most dangerous thing in 
any professional athletic sport is pointing your blade at, at another player. And but then when his leg uh, starts to you know descend back down to the ice, he whips with his right hand, whips his stick up, hitting the stick to the face of the Minnesota player. And you know, dirty play to me. <laughs> there's no place for it. Stuff like that. There's absolutely no place for it in professional sports. It's like, look, I get it. Aggressions run high, but. Uh, it's the same thing when you see a guy like Ndamukong Sue when he steps on like purposely steps on yeah. a guy like or when the uh, the Minnesota or the Washington Redskin player the defensive lineman uh, his name is passing me when he when yeah, he, he intentionally stomps down I mean you got to nip that in the bud yeah the you're, only I, way you five six eight ten games whatever you cannot do that because you could literally you could have hit that guy in his eye he, that guy could lose his vision you know that break all of his teeth out like. <laughs> That you You're right. It's you a psychotic play. He had a moment where it was just like people were saying, like, "Oh, what a real dumb." It's not dumb, it, dude. He went. Man, he like it no, is dumb, just, obviously, it's but a, it's psychotic. There's just no excuse. It's, there's no room for that. There's no place for that in professional sports. And I, if one, I believe he's the commissioners and the NHL is usually pretty good about policing itself. But the commissioners, for the most part, but they're also very inconsistent. Yeah, they are. But they, but they're pretty good. Pretty good. You know. Yeah. But, but I, something should be. Definitely done about him. Something severe because I think that's horrible. They've gotten better in the last few years. I remember a few playoffs ago, Shea Weber grabbed the back of a guy's head and slammed it into the boards. Like it was very blatant, and he got like a twenty-five hundred dollar fine. But then when Rafi Torres left his blades and took out Hosa, he got like twenty-five games. But granted, Torres had more of a history than Weber, so they kind of do look at your rap sheet, you yeah, know. Yeah. And Keith unfortunately has one, and you know, selfish as a Blackhawks fan, this sucks because it comes at a time where Brent Seabrook, who's our other number one defenseman, is is banged up. Up a little bit and uh you know we're only a few points behind the two or three the we're the three seed right now in the west uh the blues and dallas are both ahead of us right now on the east the capitals holy shit just completely run away with it um but the capitals to me have always been that regular season team. down in the play they're like the st louis blues in the west the blues and the capitals are always those two regular season teams that look amazing and then come playoff times just choke their balls off yeah, but maybe this is the year for washington who knows so I've been and Ovechkin's having a great year. He's leading the league in goals. I've been hearing that since Ovechkin got there. So Patrick Kane, another Blackhawk, looks like he should win the Hart Trophy. But back to the Keith incident. You're right. There really is no place for it. He probably should get suspended the rest, the remainder of the regular season. Hopefully not into the playoffs. And when people see a play like this, the the common thought is, what was he thinking? And clearly, he wasn't thinking. It's one of those things that happens. I almost feel more so in hockey and football because they're such physical games that when you get hit, especially on ice. You know, everyone, even great skaters I've talked to, like when you start to slip, you get that little bit of oh shit feeling. So he gets knocked to his ass, already has that oh shit feeling, probably lands a little bit with discomfort and immediately thinks screw this and just whacks him, which is just complete. You know, right, you're right. There's no place for it. They need to, I hate to say it because I like him enough, but he needs to be suspended for the rest of the regular season and hopefully not into the playoffs. Because he does have that incident where he it was a cheap elbow on Hendrick Sedin or one of the Sedins, doesn't matter. And, uh, yeah, this really sucks for Duncan Keith. It just sucks for the momentum going into the playoffs for the Blackhawks because they're right now uh, a three seed. Everyone's bunched up right there, and they're, they're having a little bit of goalie problems. But this is kind of what Corey Crawford does every year around this time. He, he just looks like shit. He'll have a game where he gives a four or five goals, and then he gets it right in the playoffs, and they win the cup, even though half the fans hate his guts. Yeah. Have you ever done any? Did you ever do anything like that, or witness anything on the ice like that? Did you ever have a moment where you're like, "I'm gonna knock this guy in his ass," or were you always just not that player? Yeah, I would like. There are a couple times where I would. I was really good at a hip check. If I saw you looking away and we were close to the boards, I could get low and I could flip you really, 
really effortlessly, but that those are like I wasn't a big hitter. That wasn't you know. Was my your game. yeah? That's not where I've made my my bread and butter. I'm trying but, to think the cheapest thing I ever did in my sports career. This isn't like in a league, but I was playing basketball in an alley once, and my friend Gilberto Lopez, who was a fucking hacker, nice guy, but such a hacker. There was a loose ball, and he like gave me a little bit of a push. So I responded by, I grabbed him by the back of the head and slammed him into a garage door, and his whole face was bruised up real bad. So I felt real bad about it, and everyone's like, what are you, a psycho? Are you crazy? I'm like, no, I'm sick of his fucking shit. And so it's one of those things where. Do you want to apologize, Joe? I do apologize, Gilberto, because I'm a 31 year old man he now. He might be listening right now. Make it heartfelt. Say I like ran you into mean him. It, he Joe. saw me at the improv in Chamburgh, Illinois, the improv comedy club. I, was, really? I think I was you working with Steve then? Byrne. No, we just you talked briefly. Why? Well, that wasn't at the top of my head. And, well, and he never apologized been. to me. There was, it's one of those things where when someone he pokes was you a bunch. His game. He was playing his game, Joe. You're well, the one who went out of his way. I put way. the kibosh on his game. That's what I did. Because there are those dudes that just poke you and poke you and poke you, and eventually you knock them on their ass, and then everyone thinks you're the bad guy. I've had plenty of moments like that in my life where I lose my shit on someone, and they go, man, where'd that come from? I'm like, dude, he was, it was building. You Did you not see he was building? He was being a piece of shit for going on the better part of a few hours, and I finally put him in his place, and everyone thinks I'm the psycho? Uh, listen. No, I take everything you, back. Duncan Keith, listeners, free Duncan Keith. Listeners, if you want to chime in, Joe sounds a little psycho still. I don't think the psycho part is, it was passed it hasn't on gone Duncan. Away. It hasn't gone away, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, I'm All right, let's I get should. into, um, let's get in. I was going to talk about the final four, but look, I've been so jaded over this March Madness because I don't have any. Let's get to the I have, review. I have one team in the final four, and it's North Carolina, and so I'm I don't really totally care. Done. I'm, I'm I out too. None. I guess I'll root for Syracuse because they're the Hoosier. underdog. I'm a Hoosier and they play no defense and they deserve to lose. Yeah, you were bummed. We did a show. Oh, they've no zero defense, like negative defense. Williams is he plays like he's drunk. If he if he came out and be like, yeah, I was drunk that game. Be like, yeah, okay, that explains it. I think my heart got broken when I I I, I always like to choose a bold team. And I went with Wichita State, and, and they lost. And I want to thank James Kellerman, who has shined some light on it. Wichita State did get screwed over by scheduling. There was some bad scheduling there. Oh, I feel like this God. happens to a team every now Anyone and then. says that is bullshit. You think that's bullshit? Yeah, I was telling him that this – I mentioned game, on my podcast last year it happens a lot, but Wichita did get kind just of screwed over on that. Win. I didn't know the details of it, quite frankly. Uh, I, did, I, I just liked the Shockers enough. I was a big Joe no Carter guy back in the crying. day. All right, man. You look who's talking, Indiana boy, over here. My team doesn't play defense. So the the thirty for thirty. Yes. I've chosen to review. Uh, a few people were like, "Hey, you got to get to some hockey here." And this is one I'd wanted to see is a thirty for thirty of miracles and of I can't even talk to you. What's wrong with me right now? It's because you didn't offer me a water beforehand. Thirty for thirty of miracles and men. Now uh, this narrated by Jeff Daniels mm-hmm. of Dumb and Dumber fame, who's now a serious actor because of the newsroom. Great voice. This talks about uh, the Russian side of the famous Miracle on Ice 1980 Winter Olympics in which the United States team pulled off probably still to this day one of the biggest upsets in sports history. I had not really known. I knew Russia was great, but I didn't know the history of their dominance or the history of why hockey is so big in Russia. Apparently, it goes back to Stalin. wanted He wanted to bring Canadian hockey to the Soviet Union. I guess he saw it and thought this is the perfect thing for us. And it's really insightful, and it really makes you appreciate the Russians because the Russians were very humble through all of this. They're a humble team. Like when they first started to get on the international scene, playing playing the Canadians, 
Uh, they even were lobbying hard to try to play the NHL players, the professional players. They wanted games against them. And what made it really made me respect the Russian team so much was the fact that the Canadians were getting frustrated because they thought they were just going to roll them over. They were overconfident. And this, that's one of the themes of this, of why, why they lost. They got overconfident. They didn't prepare. And that's why great teams could lose to an underdog. Now, um, now you're a hockey guy. Did you, when you were watching it and they showed like the history of hockey in Russia when they had uh, the famous coach Anatoly uh, Tarasov, I think that's how you pronounce it, dude. I'm going to, by Close the way, enough. just to give you a heads up, I'm going to butcher a lot of these Russian, Russian names. I'm sorry. I did not, I don't well, have you, a, I don't, this is an ESPN radio. I don't have a side producer who's going to write it out phonetically for me. Uh, Anatoly, Anatoly Tarasov, he brought ballet training into hockey. He brought in like almost like this weird makeshift yoga type stuff where they would do somersaults on the ice and just going back and forth. And then they would do like they were training in the off season, you know, because there's six weeks in Russia in which they have a summer too hot to get on the ice. But they would do all sorts of like crazy drills and everything like that. Now, did you experience any stuff like that? Is that like common or were, when you were watching this, you were thinking, oh, these crazy Russians? Uh, well, first, can I address one thing? Like you called Jeff Daniels. I'm going through his IMDb right now. You said he was. He he's famous from Dumb and Dumber and now a serious actor from Newsroom. I think he's always been a serious actor. Oh no, yeah, I he think was Daniels would take some offense. To yeah, that. I, I do, and I'm going through his IMDb now. It is mainly dramatic roles. It is dr mainly dramatic. Don't get me wrong. There's a look few. though. You're right. I just knew him from Dumb and Dumber, which he was fantastic in. Oh, absolutely, delight, Abs absolutely. And I also know him from Speed. In which his character was a little bit of comic relief. Okay, and that's fair. And then there's Dumb and Dumber 2 and whatnot. Which just sure. recently came out. And then he kind of took a dip. His career, he kind of disappeared well, for looking, a while. Yeah, there's a lot of dips. I but think he's he come back strong. with that. He was in The Martian. Sure. He's in that sure. one of the Divergent movies. Sure. He's in the not newsroom. To regress, was a big hit. Not, not to regress. Okay. But, and then as for. We'll do another documentary about Jeff Daniels' <laughs> life. As, as for the second. Uh, yeah, I thought it would. You know, being. I can't really admit that I'm a Russian spy or anything, so I'm going to talk about it like I'm an American. But you think Russians are crazy, and especially when you play hockey. Like, I, you know, I played uh, some junior Bs in the UP of uh, Michigan, Upper Peninsula, and a lot of Russians go there for their, for, you know, to get time in America and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, it's... You especially know the little bit that I know about the Cold War and whatnot. You feel like Russians have an arrogance, and you also you don't know how factually accurate accurate some of that is because I feel like some of that thirty for thirty stuff they try to portray things in a particular way, and I'm like I don't know if this is real or not. Like I don't know if this is just the director's opinion or like I don't I don't know how factual how factually accurate all that is because some of it is like. You're talking about people's feelings and a, a, well, a, a yeah. group's feelings, and it's like, how can you speak on someone else's feelings? And you know, unless like you were really there, like you don't know they were. Well, they, they go into great research documenting these, especially for thirty for thirties and ESPN, Maybe. because I, I I believe they do. Maybe. And what what I liked so much about it was that they had old footage and they had quotes from this guy coming up, and what made him he was like the coach that everyone wanted to have. 
terrorist. Uh, yeah, but it's terrorist off. Yeah, but I just don't in. know. I don't know how accurate all that is. Like, I just don't know. Like, they're the director and the editor. They're cutting the things together for. So, what are you doubting? What do you, you think they're trying to win one over on you? Like, they yeah, were really think, beating these children, and it wasn't that that fun thing. No, I don't think it was as sweet and loving. Like the Russians always ran ran it like a machine. You know, well, and they show how they later brought in a military guy well, sure, to replace I, him, and that was the machine guy. Yeah, but I. I think it was always a little more like that than what they're saying. They I, brought in a Tichnovov or Tichnovov. Yeah, I don't brought remember in, the name. This dude, well, when they show when he comes in, that coach, he was in the military. He brought in this military style. I feel like it that was, was when it was like the Ivan Dragov type shit, you know? And uh, where it was like, all right, this is the control freak. You know, he was the complete opposite of the previous coach. What I liked about this guy, though, is it showed him just like yelling at the players, like, why aren't you not smiling? You should be happy. You're playing hockey. And it's like, dude, I wanted to play for this guy. And what was really crazy was how his approach to hockey he just studied all sorts of angles of it because he was like in charge yeah. by like the communist government to bring hockey in. His vision was not about where the puck was, but about where the puck was going. So I'm like, dude, that's deep, bro. Like, you know, he was really, he was all about like for like, you know, positioning on the ice where the Canadian game at the time was more an up and down. He wanted to be more side to side. Look, that, that to me, like, okay, that whole, the whole 30 for 30 thing, to, it, it's fine to watch, but it's like, I feel like sometimes in sports, everything perfect just falls into place. You know what I'm saying? The, yes. the the flux of the Russian hockey program. You know, just the who shit. dominated? They don't. They won yeah, every yeah. international cup, every international uh, like tournament and for just, like almost a decade and a half. And then, especially in hockey, when you start playing as a cohesive unit, like the Americans did, and when you start to believe, because it's like. Just like in the NFL, the, the, the deviation between the best team and the worst team is usually only one or two players. You know, and if a goalie starts playing hot and really believing in themselves and you have your defensemen just staying where they're supposed to be. If, if your defensemen are where they're supposed to be in hockey, that can cut down shots on goal tr dramatically. Totally, totally. And it's like everything fell into place. And that was one of those situations. So when I watch it, it's like... You know, do you believe in Mer come on man? It's like it's like the the Americans weren't that bad. No, they weren't. They were a good team, of course. <laughs> That's uh, I mean, all. It's like people well, always talk like they were. The thing dog is they shit. they had played like the week before and they had won ten to three. They'd killed they played an exhibition like no, 10 days before they played an exhibition, Russia versus the United States, same teams who ended up playing in the uh, gold medal game. And they lost 10-3. The game was a joke. Like, the Russians, they, that's where that overconfidence began because they just destroyed him. It wasn't even fair. And what made the Russian team, like, you're talking about the, the great defensemen and the goalies, they and were I, always consistently okay. good for a and, decade, and which is one, insane. And once again, and though, they played it's, humble. Hard, they were, it's hard to blow out a team two times in a row in any professional sport. Yes. Any sport at any time. It's hard because you get tape on them. You know tendencies. You think back, okay, I, this is what he, this guy's doing. If I cut this off, it throws him out of his game because he thinks he's just going to do it on me all over again. In any professional sport, these guys are professional athletes. You know, it's like they still know. They still have coaches. Well, that's the big speech Kurt Russell gives one time. You know, all that kind of okay, stuff. Okay, yeah, like, this man. This is your moment. Like that, it's the Al Pacino, one inch here, one inch to the left. Like these guys are getting beat, but they're not getting beat by so much that they can't correct in a ten day later rematch. Yes, that's all. I just think a lot of it is. 
you know, nostalgic that we talk about it now that gets us so hype. I don't know. Well, like, no, I mean, the documentary did a good job showing you how evil, like, the Soviet Union was at the time, too. Like, when they brought in the new coach, this was really great. They talked about how he ran it completely different. Uh, one guy, and he said it in such a funny Russian accent, uh, he says... Um, yeah, so a new new coach is like uh, uh, he's like guy guy with with whip and plantation. I can't do a good Russian accent. He says that the new coach was like guy with. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, if you noticed, all of a sudden I was talking and then I wasn't talking anymore. The batteries, mother fucking batteries, died. So I'd like to apologize for that. I was in the middle of talking with comedian Brian Moreno. We were reviewing 30 for 30 of Miracles and Men, which was a great documentary. I highly recommend. Uh, trying to jump back to where I was. I was doing a horrible Russian accent. I believe that's where I was. Yeah, that's right. One of the hockey players was talking about how the new coach, the one who replaced the beloved Tarasov. Tarasov? Tarasov? I already told you guys I'm not good with the Russian uh, words. Uh, that this guy was, he was very militant. And he's a control freak, and the guy was saying that he was like guy with whip on plantation. And I'm like, oh, that's that's nice. Every coach likes to be compared to a slave owner. That's that's lovely. And uh, it really is a great documentary, though. So where we left off was they had fired their beloved coach, the guy who basically started hockey in the USSR, uh, like the a grandpa type figure. This guy was he he was you know he was he disciplined his players. I'm not trying to act like he was some pushover. But he was just a guy that everyone loved playing for. He was like their dad. In a good way. Not like the dad who, you know, freaks out on you when you when you take ball, you know, one in the dirt or whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. You know, that that, that dad where you're like, dude, dad, you're embarrassing me right now. The guy that wears like a fucking trucker hat and has a shitty mustache. That dad? No, he's the good dad. So at this point, we're up to uh, the Russians went back-to-back world championships in 78, 79. And now here we are, the the big thing, the reason this documentary was made We've got USSR versus United States in uh, Lake Placid. This is the 1980 Winter Olympics, uh, also known as the Miracle on Ice, you know, made famous by that Disney movie, Kurt Russell, what's up? And uh, it's amazing what they really show you, how bad Lake Placid's, like, Olympic Village was. Like, it was literally a prison. It was, it was a penitentiary. These guys were staying, like, in prison cells and just how bad that was uh, in 1980. And it was a weird time, you know, uh, Russia and the United States, it was like the heart of the Cold War. Russia was going into Afghanistan. The documentary did a good job showing that and how we were about to boycott the Summer Olympics and everything uh, that was going down in the world at the time. And uh, the United States, I think we, I don't know if we mentioned this before I got cut off, but they had absolutely got destroyed 10-3. The game was a complete joke. And uh, this is where it really kind of goes back to the beginning of when the Canadian NHL players lost to the Russian amateurs when the Russia finally got that game they wanted against, uh, they wanted to prove themselves on the world stage against Canada, who was known as the best in the world. And they absolutely shellacked them. They said they were overconfident and how being overconfident, how dangerous that could be. And it really showed like how the Russians with their style of hockey, you know, they didn't really play a fighting game. They weren't really like bruisers. They played more of a finesse game. They thought about where the puck was going to be, you know, they had a lot of anticipation, a lot of, you know, they, they, they played that, uh, I don't know, I guess some people call it like a sissy European style, but uh, it wasn't like quite as fast as the Swedish game, but it, w- it was very, it was a finesse. It was a game built on finesse. I mean, if you think of all the great Russian players, they, they kind of knew how to move without the puck. They were great positioning and all that kind of stuff. So uh, at this point, USA, 
we all know how this goes down. USA wins 4-3. It was a great game. Uh, really, what I forget and what people don't talk about enough is how Russia probably should have pulled their goalie there in the final minute. They just didn't do it. And what was cool in the documentary was it has the player who becomes the focal point of the second half of the documentary, Slava Festivov, or Festivov. How do you say this? Oh, I hate Russian names. Festif, Festivov. Festivov? You know, he played, in the, he played for the New Jersey Devils. He had, he had a good NHL career. He played with the Red Wings and won a cup with them. Um, see, I watched this documentary a few days ago. If I just watched it, I would have had it down. But I believe it's, it's Festivov. Festivov. Yeah, whatever. That's what it is. They show him reliving the moment. Like, he's, he went to Lake Placid to visit the old stadium that they lost in. And you could just see him, like, looking and just having these flashbacks as they were cutting to old film of the game itself and, and just thinking where it went wrong. And you could tell he just had this look on his face, like, damn it. Ugh. And just, like, reliving that agony and that pain. And while that's happening, while he's standing on the ice, they're cutting to his daughter, who's an absolute smoke show, just sitting in the front row. The Russian women, I don't know what the deal is. I mean, everyone knows that, you know, that they have Russian women who they look perfect like models and then they hit like 37 and they look like they're 64. It's just, it's a, it must be that winter. It's a tough life for them out there. And uh, yeah, so they're coming back and forth to him and then they just showed just like how crazy it was. And what I didn't realize and which, which I give, uh, you know, the, the Russian press a lot of credit for is they didn't make a big deal of the loss. Like when they showed that Team Russia going back to Moscow and everything and the press was just like, we won all the time. This was just one, you know, one mistake, one loss. It was, yeah, sure, it was, it was for the gold medal in the Olympics, but this was a team that had dominated for a decade and a half. And so we just, we saw it as a blip, an accident, no big deal. And I'm like, man, I wish the press here would handle certain events like that. But instead, everything here is just like life or death, heaven and hell, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. You guys know what's up. Um, yeah, so then it shows them they get back on track. 84, they win the gold. Um, after that, 84 Olympic Games, uh, we find out the goalie, uh, Trechak, uh, retires. Uh, he later found out, and this is where the documentary really started to grab you, as uh, he found out that the Montreal Canadiens had drafted him, but Russia wouldn't let him go. I mean, he later finds out that they drafted him that year. He didn't know. He had no idea that the Montreal Canadiens dragged him because the Russians had kept that a secret. They didn't want it to let them know. They didn't want them. They didn't want, Russian players weren't allowed to defect. If you lived in the Soviet Union, you lived there. You weren't allowed to leave. You weren't allowed to flee. And that was the big thing with, you know, uh, the Cold War is just, the, you know, how inhumane they treated their own citizens. Ugh. All right. They then, um, you know, then he then just quits the game. He was 32 years old, one of the best goalies on the planet, and then he's just like, I'm done. I'm done with hockey. I've given all I can. I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's taken the fun from me. And, and he had lost the excitement. And he, like, they were interviewing him as an adult now, a guy in his 50s. And you could definitely see there was some sadness in his eyes there where he's just like, if I, if I could have gone to the NHL, that could have reignited it for me. That could have brought the fun back to hockey. Could, could have really you know, inspired him to start playing the game he loved again. That he, you know, the, the fun has been taken away from him. That's what I hate about like dickhead coaches. They really do that for you. And that whole, you know, Soviet system, those commie bastards taking the love of hockey away. Then they focus back on our boy Slava Vestovov. And he uh he really he wanted to, he wanted to defect. NHL teams were after him. The New Jersey Devils had drafted him and they wanted him badly. This guy was you know a pr- premier defenseman and he was highly sought after. So the Russians uh, the Soviet Union, they tell Slava, they say, if you 
when the Golden 88 will let you go to the NHL. Guess what? When's the Golden in 88? He got it. And then they, they said, no, sorry. They lied to him. They totally duped this poor bastard. Uh, the coach asked him for another year. Slava's like, I felt stabbed in the back. I didn't want anything to do with it. And um, after a while, some stuff went back and forth. New Jersey Devils coach had gone to Moscow. The GM had gone to Moscow, the coach together. They had, like went on a mission. And it was almost like spy shit in the middle of the night. You know, he just, Vestavov had to sneak in there and he didn't want to talk to him. They talked through, even though they're in the same hotel room, they talked on pen and paper because like this room's bugged. Dude, if you not watch Rocky and Bullwinkle, this is what we do. Like a lot of, you know, a lot of buggings going on. You know, this is some real, this is some real KGB shit happening here. And then uh, after a while, you know, back and forth, they finally let him go. Festivos finally breaks free. He's the first Soviet allowed to leave in the history of the USSR, which is crazy, right? Goes to the United States, plays like, you know, four or five years with the Devils. Yeah, you know, real, you know, not like superstar, superstar, but a top player. And then the wall comes down, some more Russians start to break free. In 96, when the Detroit Red Wings win the Stanley Cup, first thing Festival says to uh, Gary Bettman, he says to him, I got to bring that cup back to Moscow. And there, Canada was first like against it. They're like, Moscow's hostile. We don't, we don't know if that's a good idea. Convinces him. He brings it back to Moscow. And uh, they're talking to him now as an adult. And he goes, you know, talk about miracles on ice. That's the miracle. Bringing the Stanley Cup back to Moscow and showing the Russian people all these Russian names engraved into the sporting world's greatest trophy. And that was like, you're like, shit, dude. All right, man. All right, you won me over with that. And the, the, the documentary is great in the sense that you really, it's hard for you to hate the Russian team. I think at that time, like I wasn't alive yet. I'm sure most of you who are listening weren't alive at the time. Looking back, we, all, we always just hear about USA versus Russia, you know, uh, USA, USA, that chant, and just how evil the Russians were, and then like the whole 80s thing. And then you think about like a movie like Rocky Four, and then Reagan, and what was that one dude? Who was their guy? Boris Yeltsin? Was he their dude at the time? Or was he more in the early 90s? I don't know. I'm not great at my Russian history. Gorbachev. It was Gorbachev. There we go. You know, Gorbachev, tear down this wall, which he said, and then eight years later, they finally did. People always act like he did it the next day. He didn't. Know your history, folks. And you just think about that, but you don't really realize Russian people, yeah, they were, they were good sportsmen. They were a disciplined team. They stood while the, while the United States team celebrating the gold medal, and rightfully so. Nothing wrong with it. Like, really celebrating and going nuts for it. The Russians stood there on the blue line and, and you know, showed them respect. It was great. Um, I really, I really think that it's like something to look on, like with, uh, with a sense of respect, I should say, you know, they respect the game. They play the game the right way. I really love that coach that I got there. So definitely watch this documentary, uh, highly worth it. And, uh, sorry, this podcast ended in such a weird way. It's my own fault. You always got to bring backup backer batteries, guys. Got to have a set of backup Duracell or double a in your back pocket there. That's just good common sense. Um, Brian Moreno is on Facebook and Twitter. At Brian Moreno on Twitter. Give him a follow. He's a really great dude. If you're in L.A., he runs a, a lot of good shows at the Improv Comedy Club. I'll actually be at the Improv Comedy Club tomorrow night running Comedians You Should Know, hosting that show. Hell of a show. Owen Benjamin, steve from Jackass is on it. Mark Norman from Inside Amy Schumer. A lot of great comedians. So check that out. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Joe Kilgallen. Leave us a review. Uh, it really does go a long way. Show me If you show me you left us a five-star review and uh, you, know, you go, hey, Joe, look what I did for you. I'll send you a signed copy of my album, Pay Attention, that was number one on iTunes for free. How's that sound for you? Sounds pretty good. Also, got a podcast coming on Sunday. Comedian Rhea Butcher back on the podcast. Uh, she was on one of the early episodes. 
big hit. She's hilarious. You're going to love her. We're going to be previewing baseball. That whole podcast is going to be dedicated to the start of Major League Baseball because opening day is Monday. And that's right. Your boy Joe is going to be there rooting on his Cubs. Cubs versus Angels here in Anaheim. I'm excited. I'm going to get a Portillo's beef. I'm going to get some beers. I'm going to be all decked out in Cubs stuff as the start to the 2016 season will be underway. Again, thank you for listening to Comedians Talking Sports.